0: It is Lent and it is our time when we practice uh, being tempted, isn't it? Um, In in Lent, uh, often people give up meat or give up sweets or give up ice cream. This week about three quarters of a million of us were called to give up heat. For those of us who, for whom the heat is not yet back on yet, I, I feel specially blessed, because uh, the temptations just keep coming. I woke up at about a midnight last night and discovered I had a cold, so <clears throat> I'm tempted this morning, and and uh, you know that temptation is to just uh, uh, look at life differently. So I want to invite you to join with me in hearing the scripture where Jesus is tempted by the devil. Uh, From Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, this begins our series in Lent. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. My professor in seminary, Henry Nouwen, had been a a professor at Notre Dame. Uh, He was well regarded and he was invited to come give a lecture at Yale at the Divinity School. And when he came, the dean asked him, having been so impressed with him, to come and be on the faculty there, which he agreed to. After 10 years there, he decided it was time for something new, and about that time, the dean of Harvard Divinity School invited him to be on the faculty there. He spent a few years there, and then he just felt like it was time to do something else, The God was calling him to do something else. And there was this community in Canada, a community of adults with a variety of mental and physical handicapping conditions and they invited Father Nowan to come and be with them there. Henry writes, the first thing that struck me when I came to live in a house with mentally handicapped people was that their liking or disliking me had absolutely nothing to do with many of the useful things that I'd done up till then. Nobody could read, so my books didn't impress anybody. Most of them had never gone to school, so they didn't care about Notre Dame or Yale or Harvard. And my considerable ecumenical experiences were even less valuable. He says, during one dinner when I offered some meat to one of the assistants, one of the residents, uh, one of the resident handicapped men said to me, don't give him meat, he doesn't eat meat. He's a Presbyterian. (laughs) Yeah, we are Presbyterians. We do do things differently. We have a unique set of values, a set of visions that God sets before us. So we do things differently. That's a story about identity and it connects with me with this story of Jesus who is entering into a time of trial and temptation and what is being tempted there is his identity, who God called him to be. He spent these 40 days doing without and then discovered something of his real substance, his values, it has to do with Jesus' identity. Now the devil here, as you read in your scripture, is not capitalized because we are not Star Wars. We don't believe in the force, the good force and the bad force. This is just a spirit that arises sometimes, a devilish spirit that sometimes tempts us to be someone who we are not called by God to be. And so you hear it in the words of the devil, if you are the son of God. In other words, he's implanting a sense of doubt in his mind, uh, a a sense of of who he is. If you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. I want you to think about that for a minute. What if Jesus had turned the stones into bread? What difference would that have made? Well, what would have happened is probably about six hours later, he would have needed to turn more stones into bread. And six hours after that, turn more stones to bread. And he would have taken up his whole life turning stones into bread. His identity would have been shaped by this action that he took. A test of identity creates a sense of self-doubt. The devil does this to manipulate him, to have him be something other than who God called him to be. It's not a frontal assault here. This is a side door assault. Tom Long writes that the devil is attempting to beguile Jesus into making the nature of his work too small and to make the nature of his recipients too few. It was only he who would receive this bread, not the thousands. The devil says, don't pour yourself out for all people. Think of yourself. Now we know bread's not a bad thing. It's just not the only thing. But this story shows how the devil tempts him to set a pattern, a pattern of actions that would shape his character, that would shape his identity over time. Jesus' ministry is called by God to be as, as vast as the heavens, as deep as the ocean, and the devil holds out a thimble and says, isn't just filling this enough? The devil's challenge is based on one word, but the faithful don't live by one word. We live by every word that God gives to us, by every word. Therefore, we have this whole host of things which we engage in because that's who we are. That's our identity as Christians, to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Think about the temptation of Jesus, but think about the temptation that the church has along the same line when it risks losing sight of the height and depth and breadth of its calling by God. The temptation is that we narrow and reduce that call that God has given to us. God, who speaks many words, not just one, seeks to feed the hungers and the needs of the whole world. And the church needs to not allow the devil to diminish or deny the hunger that people have in the world and our ability to meet those needs. The devil doesn't set the terms of the diet of the world. God intends this lavish banquet that, that can be given to us and all the world if we pay attention to who we are based on the call of Christ, the call to be who we are. Now, we hear a lot, well, every little bit helps. Yes, every little bit helps, but that's not necessarily what we are called to do. There's a big difference between the woman who gives two pennies as an example of great faith because that's all she had as opposed to if we were to give two pennies, which is not all we have. We have so much more. God calls us not to do what the devil wants us to do, which is to narrow, restrict, and reduce what we are willing to do when God empowers us to do so much to whom much is given, much is required. The churches were key in stopping slavery in the United States. and They found many ways to stand against it. The churches were key in changing laws and culture in favor of civil rights, and they found many ways to embody that call of Christ, because racism is a sin. The churches were key in stopping apartheid in South Africa. It was a world shaping thing. What vision do we have today that reflects the height and depth and breadth that God calls us to engage in? Are we following that grander vision or are we listening to the devil who just wants us to do a thimbleful? The mantra of the devil expect, expect less. Jesus counters the devil by quoting scripture. You see it in the second scripture passage where the devil recognizes after Jesus has quoted scripture in the first, uh, in the first temptation, then the devil quotes scripture. Um, but, but notice what he's doing. The devil's not trusting in God, uh, not trusting in God. He's, he's trying to manipulate what God would do to reverse his relationship with God and to say, uh, to say that, that he is in charge. And in essence, by tempting God, you turn God into a servant. That third temptation, the false worship, is one that intrigues me. The promise uh, that, that Jesus can have all the kingdoms of the world if he will simply fall down and worship the devil. You can have it all, it's so easy, the devil says. The world sold its soul to achievement and the devil tempts us to abbreviate the story, to cut out the painful parts, to bypass the suffering. Take the road more traveled, not the road less traveled. Forget sacrificial love. Forget that costly grace. Forget the cost of discipleship. Forget the cross, Jesus. Just fall down and worship Satan. Take the easy way out. But remember, when Peter tried to do this, Jesus ended up calling him Satan that every time we play the role of tempter, lured by the illusion of a shortcut, a bypass around the cross, then we deny the identity of Christ and we deny our identity as Christians. The devil was counting on Jesus to have a failure of nerve, to take the easy way out. So this passage is all about identity, answering the question, who are you? Jesus has to answer that question. The devil wants to tell him who he is, to manipulate him, to set up the the question so that it would seem reasonable and rational to do what the devil wants him to do. But Jesus responds in terms of how God wants him to live. Christ sacrificed himself to show us a way of living, not around the difficult parts, but through them the way of sacrificial love. We are the people in the name of Christ who are willing to make great sacrifices. Sacrifices of our time, our efforts, our our reputation, our finances, so that others might live and flourish and experience the fullness of life that God intends. I'm intrigued by this passage. I come back to it again and again because the devil sounds so reasonable. I mean, it really sounds like a reasonable guy. But then you look again and you say, wait a minute, the devil seems to have an unreasonable faith in being reasonable, because he's countering what Jesus is called to be. And he's counting on Jesus having a failure of nerve. When Jesus shows who he is, by being rooted in the presence of God, rooted in the scripture, rooted to the core of his being, no matter how difficult the situation is, he knows who he is and he responds out of that identity of God's son. Then the devil has no power over him. Lent is our time to help us rediscover our true identity, to reclaim that sense of self that God alone can give. You see, the devil wants us to do far less than God wants us to do. The devil wants us to be convinced that the suffering's not worth it, that it'll be too much trouble, too much sacrifice. The devil wants us to think that he knows better than God. Lent is our time to recognize the temptations of the world, that the devil is not just a a person. Devil is a spirit that can arise in all sorts of times and places. The temptation to listen to these other voices that, that would reduce what God wants us to do, that would tempt us to take the easy way out, that would give us this failure of nerve that doesn't, shape us as a people, and you're only shaped when you do the hard things. God calls us to be a people of love, and love is not easy. We fail, we fail. That's part of what we uh, practice saying every, every week. Um, but but, but it, it's, it's the failing and trying again failing and trying again, failing and trying again, that that shapes the strength of our spine, the strength of our, our character to be those kind of people. God sets before Jesus this adventure that is going to change the world. And God sets that adventure before us. What's the big picture? that God is calling us to be? What's the dream that God is calling Kirk in the Hills to embody? How do we embody that dream? I'm looking forward to the next few months because we're gonna be doing surveys and gathering people and having conversations and, and just opening ourselves up into saying, what are those core values that are the self, that the core identity of this congregation? And what is the core vision that God is calling us to be? What's the dream that God sets before us? The world-changing dream that truly embodies what this church is called to be. God sets before us an adventure to be the people God calls us to be to do it the hard way, the way that leads to growth, growth as individuals, growth as a community. It's only by that hard path that we walk the path of maturity, of spiritual maturity that truly shapes us deeply and profoundly into being all that we can call to be. The path of spiritual maturity that can overcome any devilish temptation to take the easy way out. Amen.